Live from the Tech Value Electronics Superstore, this is Derailed Trains of Thought. Well, welcome to episode 140 of Derailed Trains of Thoughts, your premier podcast on storytelling. For the consumer and the creator. I flipped it that time. You, you did. <laughs> you always keep me on my toes, Nick. Uh, but I'm Tim Thediel. And I'm Nick Hayden. And uh, welcome. We hope you uh, are looking forward to a good discussion on all well, the art of stories. We are coming to you from, it seems like they're opening up some uh, Walmart yep. type Best Buy store. Why, why are we here? I don't know. Sometimes the podcast just takes us to strange places, yeah. but there's a nice little crowd over there. It looks like some actors dressed in jumpsuits. I I don't, don't, yeah, it looks a little kind of Star Trekky. Yeah, maybe. it does. It does a little bit. Eh, anyway, but we've got a nice little corner here. And nice thing about it being an electronic superstore, we've got a good internet connection, which is is great because we've got some guests on our podcast today. So we have a friend of ours from Taylor University, Fort Wayne, Eric Anderson. Hey guys, it's great to be here in this weird place. <laughs> yeah, we appreciate you coming out. Eric is also uh, runs a ministry called Nerd Chapel, which we will talk about in a little bit. Uh, but along with them is also Dallas Mora from uh, Geek Devotion. Say hi, Dallas. Hey, what's going on? I'm so glad to be here. I was actually hoping to snag an early copy of the Tears of the Kingdom, but I oh. guess we could talk here at the podcast. Well, I appreciate you taking out some time uh, out of your busy schedule. Like I uh, saw the other day, you were you were a podcasting maniac. <laughs> I, I do a few podcasts. I do I do a few. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, we're not going to waste any time here. Let's get right on to it with Story School. So if you're new to the podcast, Story School is a section where we talk about all manner of storytelling topics. For the creator and the consumer. That's right. Yeah, there you go. And today we're very audience focused because uh, you guys, we wanted to have you both on. This is the first time we've ever had two guests on the podcast at the same time, but you both have kind of similar ministries. So Eric, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit first about Nerd Chapel? Well, Nerd Chapel is something I started in 2013 with a blog spot and a YouTube, just a very few YouTube videos. As I was looking around Christian bookstores, I realized, wow, there's a lot of, you know, nice devotional books for people who like sports and people who like hunting and for women's groups. Why aren't there devotionals written for people who like the stuff I like? So I kind of started with a blog and a few videos and called some weird guy named Nathan Marchand. We know him. And, we know him, yes. Yeah, yeah. He's a cool bit guy. of a troublemaker, but a good guy. And we uh, <laughs> got to work on our own nerd devotionals, and so now we have written three devotionals for nerds and geeks. Some guy named Nick has helped us with them in some different ways. He, he's kind of suspicious, yeah. You're that Nick? I'm that Nick, yep. Holy yeah. crap! <laughs> <laughs> Hi! And I go to a lot of comic conventions, gaming conventions, some anime conventions, and I just say, hey... I'm a follower of Jesus, who's also a nerd like you, and I like to write at the intersection of our favorite nerdy stories and experiences and the Christian faith. That's great. Very cool. And uh, Dallas, can you tell us some about Geek Devotions? Yeah, uh, I start off, I just want to be as cool as Eric. So we uh, started the journey. Uh, <laughs> so, no, it's funny. Um, my wife and I, we got married in uh, 2016. 
but just before we got married, we were at a con just there. And um, we had an experience where we realized there are people who just, you know, they're loving their character for at the con. Mm-hmm. And uh, there were some people that were there claiming to present the gospel, but not the love of Jesus necessarily. We decided that we speak the language, so we were going to do it. But first, we needed to get married. <laughs> priority. So sure. we got married and we spent about six months doing research on how to do a YouTube channel, how to do stuff uh, in the geek space. We're naturally geeky. I was a youth pastor at the time and often my geek side came out with my messages. I actually stumbled upon Eric at one point in the midst of my research. Uh, I don't know if I ever told Eric really? that. Uh, yeah, I came across your stuff earlier on when I was trying to figure out how to do everything, what what and what was out there already. And my wife and I, we, we started a channel called Geek Devotions. It started off as just a YouTube channel where every Friday we put out a devotion based in geek culture with the mission of being devoted to letting people know they're loved. And it's kind of branched out from there. We have a variety of podcasts now. Uh, we have a team of writers and podcasters who volunteer with us and help us do what we do, and uh, it's been a, it's been a wild uh, seven years now. <laughs> wow, nice! That's, that's cool. Eric, remind me when when did Nerd Chapel start again? Twenty thirteen is when I did the first online event, okay. and throughout the next couple of years, I started doing game days at my church where we play board games, and started working on the book with Nate, the first book. And started going to conventions a bit more. I also started volunteering at Gen Con with the Christian Gamers Guild for a few years there, helping them with the booth out in the vendor hall, which we don't have the booth anymore for a few different reasons. But yeah, so I just kind of started in some small ways almost 10 years ago. Wow. So. wow, wow. And it, it sounds like you guys have a little different, well, similar, but maybe slightly different focuses in how you approach things. You can tell me if I'm wrong about this. Eric, it sounds a little bit like you focus a little bit more on local events, and Dallas has got this big podcast network thing going on. Yeah, so I'm not an amazing video audio guy like you guys are, although I'm great on a lighting board for live events. <laughs> uh, but I do a lot with local conventions, regional conventions. The biggest show I do each year is Gen Con, which is a ginormous worldwide board games convention and role-playing games convention. I am now running a couple of events there each year for the Christian Gamers Guild. Wow. And I go to small one-day shows. I go to regional shows that are two days or three days long. So a variety of different size shows. And I like to host local board game meetups at my church. Just a good way for people to meet face-to-face, build community. And some wonderful things happen from that. Yeah, Dallas, can you talk a little bit? You mentioned some of the things, but I don't know if you wanted to elaborate yeah. anymore. Sure. I mean, uh, like I said, my wife and I, we do several things. We have the YouTube channel primarily. Out of that, we also have every Tuesday night, we do a live stream on Twitch. We call it our play and pray. We start off with playing games and then, I don't know, we start off with reading the Bible, then we play some games. And but our big rule is if you show up in our stream, if you need prayer, you need encouragement, we stop the game and we focus on you. We go to our just chatting screen because while we love our games, we love you more. And um, out of that, we have a couple podcasts. We have our main podcast, which is Com Talk by Geek Devotions, which is kind of a variety of geek culture conversations and faith. And then we have a podcast called The Bottom Shelf, where we review terrible movies. And then, <laughs> um, then we have The Gundam Watch, which is a podcast where we review the anime franchise Mobile Suit Gundam. With both of those podcasts, we have a segment. It's called One Thing or Another. Um, the Bottom Shelf is called... Um, Weak connections on the got to watch called maintenance reports, but we bring a spiritual speculation conversation to it, trying to bring some hope to it. And then we have another podcast called uh, We Read Allegedly, which is kind of like a book club conversation. 
uh, where the three people talk about books that they like and they try to convince other people to like it too. And, uh, and they also have a spiritual conversation in the back end. And then out of that also, we're trying to get to the point where my wife and I can travel and do speaking engagements. Uh, right now, we, we have the opportunity to be at a local con a couple of times uh, the last couple of years. I uh, actually have a booth. We actually led a panel last year at it talking about balancing your faith and your geekdom. And so that's, cool. uh, that's where we're at. Nice. <laughs> Neat. It sounds like you guys keep really busy. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> so now that we've gotten to know a little bit more about what you guys do, the first question I had thinking about all this, geek culture, nerd culture has come a long way in the last 20 years. There's a lot of stuff that used to be considered really niche, like D&D gaming, whether it's video gaming or board gaming, anime. It's way more mainstream now than when I was in college. So I was just wondering, considering that, does that broaden the concept of what it means, what nerd culture means? I'm just curious, how do you guys wrestle with or do you think about that as changing the landscape of of nerd stuff? Um, I don't think it necessarily changes other than the fact that there's more people in the the community. There's more people who who love the things that we love, which is great. You know, I yes. love having an opportunity to talk to people about anime and, and about comics and movies and stuff like that. I, honestly, I've had to do a lot more of anti-gatekeeping uh, <laughs> since the explosion of it all huh. because there are some people who are like, oh, you're not a real weeb unless you, you know, watch dubs or subs only. And I'm like, that's stupid. I <laughs> don't want to read. Right. <laughs> you, yeah. know? you know, those kind of things. But I say that beyond that for, you know, the mission of Geek Devotions, I'm sure the mission of Nerd Chapel, it's to reach people with the gospel, let people know they love. So if anything, it's actually broadened the scope of allowing us to speak to people and to speak into their lives and encourage them. And yep. um, I know a lot in geek culture, for a lot of us, you know, these things that we're into, the anime, the comics, the movies, the games, they're a bit of escape from something that's happening in our lives. And so what I do, and I'm sure what Eric does too, is that we go, hey, let me speak to where you're at and this is what you have. And now let me speak hope into the situation using the language you understand. Yeah. And, and, you know, I would say it's it's interesting. I work at a school as a substitute teacher, as a, a premier sub at one high school. And I will say within the last two years, I've seen a lot of gearheads and sports fans watching anime when they're sitting around at school. Mm-hmm. So it's been interesting to see kids that three or four years ago would never have watched anime, watching anime. And I'm seeing kids that love sports and don't really have a whole lot of nerdy interest talking about the Marvel movies and the MCU Mm-hmm. And it's been very interesting to see how that dynamic has changed in a public school setting from just 10 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a real, real world kind of thing. And I, I see reaction videos sometimes for like my hero academia or something from guys that like, if I had just seen them on the street, I'd be like, I would never have guessed you were into this <laughs> anime or manga or anything. <laughs> right. Right. It's pretty wild. Well, follow up question for that. And, um, talking about geekdom as a culture Mm -hmm. um, or nerding, like I think we have a certain idea for that. My wife will call herself a music nerd, which is true. Like you can be nerdy. You can be geeky about all kinds of stuff. It doesn't have to be pop culture, although that's tends to be where some of us are at. But just thinking about that aspect of it, it started me wondering, well, how much should we let our fandom, our obsession with these things as a Christian, what does that say? About, how do we uh, balance that with our identity? How much of that should be how we think about ourselves? You know, it's it's one of those things with anything that you're into. You have to ask the question, is at what point do you enjoy this, but does it hinder your walk with God? Does it hinder your, mm-hmm. what you're doing, your growth with Christ? Yeah. Um, and it's not just geek culture. Again, mm. uh, anime gets a bad rap because people look at it and they see some of the real trashy stuff that's out there. <laughs> 
But at the same time, like, you know, there, there are trashy books. Yeah. Um, yeah. There are some trashy things that take place at the Super Bowl, but we're not trashing those things, are we? <laughs> so right. I say all that to say we can be passionate about anything, you know, just as much as we have some people who are just way too obsessed with anime or gaming. There are cats who are way too obsessed with hunting, mm-hmm. with, yep. uh, with sports, with their cars. And, and controversially, there are some people who are way too obsessed with their kids. And they're not make sure that their relationship with God's correct so they can have healthy kids. And so with anything, it's a matter of you having to check your heart and, and walk these out going, okay, if I put XYZ thing above my relationship with God? And if so, you need to step back and, and check that. Now, that's different for different things. Right. You know, I know people that they put exercise way above the relationship with God. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, God appreciates you being healthy, but he'd like you at church on Sunday morning with the body of Christ. <laughs> so. I got one guy a few weeks ago or like a month ago at a convention said that he was concerned that his interest in, in superheroes was becoming an idol. And one of the things I told him was, well, maybe what you need to do is, first of all, talk to God about it, mm. have some prayer time about it. And second, I'll take a break from it. If what? something, if you feel like something's becoming an idol, take a break from it. And after a week or two weeks of a break from it, look at how things are going, look at what's going on, pray about it. And maybe you can get back into it. Maybe not. It all depends on what the Holy Spirit is leading. But if you feel like something might be an issue, take a break from it. I've had times when I took a break from board games or tabletop mm-hmm. gaming because I was just thinking about it so much that I mm-hmm. said, okay, I need to take a week or two weeks, get away from this. And it helped. It helped me reset my mindset so that I could continue participating in a more healthy manner. But I just had to take a break from it for a while to do that reset. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I think that's a good reminder. We all probably need reminding on occasion because <laughs> yes. there's there's just so much out there and it's so easy to get consumed in it and um, let more important things slide. Mm-hmm. Word. I was curious, with a lot of geek culture, story is really at the heart of a lot of the stuff we love. And so I was curious, how does that emphasis on story affect or um, help hinder your ministry? I mean, my guess is that that's kind of a central part of how you reach people, probably. I would say it is a big part, because what am I doing with a lot of my entries in my books? I'm comparing scripture with stories we all know. Mm -hmm. And when you have something people know, that will help them look at scripture, it can make a big difference for them. Now, sometimes it will be contrasts. Sometimes there will be things like, hey, th- this, you know, the seer makes us wonder about things. Like in an entry on Jesus' prophecies in our first book, I compare that with Anakin being a part of a prophecy in Star Wars. You know, Anakin was a very prideful person, but you have to wonder how much pressure did he feel from growing up with everyone talking about, well, this guy might be from the prophecy. Mm-hmm. You know, how did that factor into his cracking and turning over to the dark side, whereas Jesus never cracked, never turned to the dark side in his handling, knowing that he was the Messiah, knowing he, there were all these prophecies in the Old Testament about him, yet he didn't crack. But yet Anakin had just as much pressure on him, and he cracked. So sometimes you can use a, a contradictory to teach something, and sometimes you can use a comparison to teach something. Word. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm in the same boat as as Eric here. I mean, we that's literally what we do majority of the time on Geek Devotions on Fridays is we take something in geek culture, the story that's taking place, the characters, and we point people back to Christ through that. 
we often hearken it back to the conversation of where Paul's talking with the Romans and he's like, look at X, Y, Z things, look at what you guys know in culture. And he points them back to Christ and using that. Not all of it is the stuff that he's pointing out was glorifying God at all. In fact, a lot of it was pagan and there were some terrible things in it, but he was using it as a tool to show hope, to show grace, to show them who, that there is a God who loves them. And some of that is the storytelling aspect. And, you know, there are elements of stories that they inspire us. And why do they inspire us? Because storytelling at its core comes from God. Yeah. God is a, is a, yeah. he's a creative God. And so therefore out of that we're able to create. And so we can find God's presence and his grace within every story that's told. Now, not that every story that's told needs to be read. <laughs> sure. <laughs> right, sure. But yes. we can find elements that people are reading and point them back to, to Christ and back to hope. Because of the story emphasis, do you think that's in some ways an easier jump than if you didn't have those shared stories? Yeah, I mean, at times, again, I mean, at the fate, at at the core of our of Christianity, uh, we, we're telling the story. We're telling the story of, yep. of of man and then redemption of you know God created the earth and it was perfect, it was beautiful, and then man bit the apple and the apple bit them in the butt and then they were kicked out into the wilderness. It wasn't an apple. We just say that yeah, because we right. draw pretty pictures that way. <laughs> but <laughs> but and then we have this story of redemption that takes place. It's woven beautifully through the Old Testament, and there's all these small elements that are woven together to point back to Christ. And then everything from that point forward goes back to Christ backwards again. And here we are walking in a promise that was promised thousands of years ago. And so at it alone is a story. All we're doing is going, we're helping people to understand that story using stories that they already know and that they are invested in. Pastors have been doing this for hundreds of years. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have you heard a pastor tell the story of David and Goliath? And there's always, you know, some monumental thing he's relating it to, whether it's a football game or something else. <laughs> and, you know, he's relating back to, you know, you're struggling with your life and you have these things taking place that you can't overcome. And yet you are, while you are the small man, God is using you to overcome this giant in your life. It's all storytelling. It is. And sometimes it's not even just the fact that there's a good connection. Sometimes it's just, that people like to know, oh, you value the thing I value. Word. And that makes it all right. I've had a few times when I'd call a cosplayer over, hey, hey, look at this. And I'd show them an entry from one of the books relating to their character. <laughs> and a couple of times they just bought the book right off the back because we were showing value to a character that they really care about and making connections with people through characters. And I tend to cosplay, you know, <laughs> yeah, Fantastic 42. Dallas has got a copy of it. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) So I cosplay. So sometimes that's my way to connect with people is just coming dressed up as a character that they care about. The one thing is I'm still waiting to find some good LOTR cosplayers. I found them always when I'm not in my Aragorn cosplaying, you know, (laughs) and it's like, so I'm going to be wearing my Aragorn cosplay a bit more this year, hoping to finally find those people. We're cool. I won't come off the back end of that whole conversation about cosplayers. That is one of the best things is when you see a cosplayer and you call out what they're doing, there's a light that just goes off and they're cosplaying because there's something about those characters they connect with that yes. they love. And like you said, you're seeing something, the value that they see and you're affirming, Hey, this is cool. But then you're, you're using that to bring hope to them at the same time. Yeah. And it's fun to see the cosplayers light up. I was at a con and there's this dude it looked like it was part of security. He's just standing there as we're walking to the con. And I go, are you Bruce Willis from Unbreakable? The dude lit up like a Christmas tree because he, he was wearing the rain poncho and everything. <laughs> nice. That's awesome. Security thought he was security. <laughs> I was like, that's scary that they didn't check you, but this is awesome, dude. <laughs> that is great. That's fantastic. It's interesting listening to you guys talk because 
you definitely have a, what I'd say, a pastor's mindset and how you're approaching your audience. Whereas Nick and I really come from the artiste, <laughs> the, a, a creator's perspective, yeah. which is a little bit different. I think like we certainly geek out over things just like you guys would, but there's something about artists that doesn't want to talk too directly about what they're, about what, what they're is, trying to say. Yeah. It's, it's a whole <laughs> thing, but that is a different, I feel like it's a unique skill sets that you've guys have been gifted to be able to interact with people and like, and be straight up. Hey, what did you think? Did you ever pull this out of the story? Whereas like, I feel like I, if I was to say that, I'd be like, yeah, this is bleeding obvious. <laughs> Well, one of the things that we do often with our stuff is, especially on our Tuesday night streams, is we try to make it as casual and natural as possible. There is a stigma within Christianity that, and when you're out in the real world, that you can't just talk about Christ. Mm -hmm. You just can't talk about God because you you never know what people are going to say. You never know if people are going to get offended or angry or something like that. But if it's something we're passionate about, we talk about it, right? And so, you know, when you guys are passionate about storytelling, you're going to talk about stories and tell, telling stories. If you're passionate about Star Wars, you can talk about Star Wars, uh, which I just finished watching the season finale of Mandalorian. I'm not happy about it. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, but that being said, our passion as Christians is Christ and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. letting the world know. Now, how we do that dictates the situation and how we do it. Not everyone's called to stand on a corner and preach the gospel. Uh, I don't think anybody's to call sit on a corner and scream and shout at people and tear them down. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But we are called to share the gospel in some fashion. And it can, doesn't have to be this awkward three-point sermon. <laughs> when we do our Bible study on Tuesdays, I mean, it's super casual, guys. Like, I have the Bible open on the screen. I'm reading through. I'm answering comments in the chat. We're talking. We're making jokes a minute everything because, you know, the Bible's funny sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just a casual thing. And, you know, we're playing a game and like, hey, you need prayer? We'll stop the game. We'll pray for you. Why? Because that should be natural for us as believers. It is a learned skill because society tells us we shouldn't do that. And, you know, it's just I've had years of, of practice doing it. But I believe that everyone can walk in that. It just takes those first few steps to do it. Yeah. It takes those first few steps. And it takes a willingness to, to read the room. Hmm. Word. Because not everyone's going to want to talk about Jesus. You know, mm-hmm. there is some some reality in that. And so it takes a chance to read the room. And sometimes it's, it's just you just let people know, hey, I'm here. I like these things and I like Jesus. And you just give them the chance. Yeah. And they may ask you about Jesus. They may not. They may just instead ask you about something with Marvel or with that new board game that's coming out. But <laughs> once they know, hey, you're a Christian, they know there's someone that they could at some point come talk to. There's a lady in my local cosplay community that I walked over to say hi to at a con post-COVID, had not seen her in a while. And overall, the craziness of COVID, she had lost her husband, not in a death way, but he had left her. Oh, yeah. uh, and it was mm. he, he and she were both very involved in cosplay. So it was her first event back in the cosplay world after this breakup and divorce. And so she knew she could come to me and ask me to talk with her and pray with her. And so yeah. she hugged me and I spent time praying with her and just took time to be there for her simply in prayer. And she knew to ask me because she knows I'm a follower of Jesus. Right. That's great. That's, that's really cool. So another question that I had listened to you guys talk about this, what would you say, do you get a feel for who your typical, I mean, obviously you're, you're wanting to minister to 
any geeks and nerds that cross your path. Do you find that you're a certain type that most gets drawn to your ministry? Um, define certain type. Well, I guess I just, I'm wondering, not necessarily like a certain from a certain fandom or from a genre, but like, I guess I'm wondering if, it, if it's mostly like uh, people who are hurting in a certain way or if there are like a certain socioeconomic class. I don't know. Uh, right. Define it how you will. <laughs> I can say that within with our circles, it varies. I wholeheartedly believe the Lord puts you in a place to minister to the communities that you'll do well with in some fashion. Um, yeah. And so um, and sometimes there are seasons where there are certain things that take place. I used to be a kid's pastor. And I was friends with another kid's pastor in town and we're talking and I said, you know, it's interesting. Majority of my kids, one week I'll have five, next week I'll have 20 because I have so many split families Mm -hmm. that are are in my ministry. Mm -hmm. And the lady was like, are you for real? I was like, yeah. She's like, I have just tons of adopted people in my family, like in my church, just tons of adopted kids. And we started talking, she's adopted. And so she knows that lifestyle. She knows how to do help right with that world. I come from a split family. And so I understand that world. And so I believe that sometimes I believe that God often puts us in places that we are uniquely specialized to see, to, uh, to reach out to people. And because of our certain personal experiences, we tend to see things and we tend to call things out in people to bring hope to them. And, you know, there's scriptural basis for that about how we go through trauma and we overcome it so we can help those who are going through it also. For me, we have a variety of people who deal with the conversation of they're not loved, they're not cared for, there's no hope, which again was the basis of Geek Devotions. We're devoted to let people know they're loved and they're cared for. And we start off by saying every episode we start, you know, if you don't watch past this episode, know this, we love you, we care about you, there's a plan and purpose for your life, do not give up. Because that is a, a passion of my wife and I, because we've seen people who have walked through that and we ourselves have been felt that way at times. And so for us, that's kind of what we see and what we deal with now economics and and different aspects it, it fluctuates we've had opportunity to minister to everybody from very very low income struggling to people who I, i'm pretty sure that they may have multiple bank accounts in different countries <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> so yeah. it ranges with people <laughs> sure it does sure i feel like i get a lot of interactions with christians who are struggling with managing their fandom and their faith yeah and especially since about a few times a year, I get the the rare opportunity to do a church service at a con. And that kind of gets a mix as well. You normally get a lot of Christians who are like, wow, I don't have to miss church. I'm at a con and I don't have to miss church. Yeah. And from time to time, you have someone come in maybe because their friend is attending a church service and they just want to be with their friend for a while who isn't following Jesus. And normally they don't go to church, and this maybe is just an easier step for them than trying to go to a brick-and-mortar church down the street where they're not sure how they'll be received. Mm-hmm. So you always have some fluctuation and some variation. One of the things I was really praying about early on in this ministry was praying and thinking a lot about was reaching some of the people who have pulled away from church and pulled away from Jesus and helping them walk back because they could reach people that I can't reach as someone who's always been following Jesus since a young kid. There's one guy I met at a con a couple of years ago, and there was an expensive table. I had almost no sales. I was frustrated all weekend long. But I don't think the Holy Spirit had me there for distributing the books and getting those out. I think the Holy Spirit had me there to meet with this one guy. He was a, another writer artist at the convention, and we were across from each other. Uh, and he had left the church, and he, he talked about how unhappy he was now that he wasn't a Christian. He's like, can you believe that after walking with that, I'm not happy? And I 
don't think I did an amazing job talking with him, but he did. He was the one person who bought a book for me that weekend. Hmm. And so it's really praying that he is able to take some steps, whether it's reading the book and talking to Christians in his life about it or whatever, hoping that in some way in my not so amazing me that weekend that somehow God would fill in where I was not enough yeah, and that he will fill those gaps. That's great. You guys are really inspiring. I yeah. Gotta, I got to tell you. Yeah. <laughs> well, I may not go through all the questions I got here, but I guess I kind of want to open it up. Are there any uh, stories you really like to tell? Any times where you had a challenge, you were challenged by a Christian and why are you doing this? Why are you wasting your time? Or a non-Christian being like, you Bible thumping hypocrites, what are you doing here? <laughs> any interesting stories or like any stories of God working through your ministry that you were, wanted to share? Yeah. We've had a couple of interesting experiences when we were, at, uh, especially when we we're at cons. This past year, we had a, for whatever reason, there's always this one cat shows up this con and it's, he's the Turner Burn. He flat was hanging on a rail and yelling at a guy saying that he was sending his kids to hell by taking them into the, the con. And uh, it was just a bad situation. And, but there was a young lady out there and she was having a full on panic attack because this dude was screaming and hollering at them. And uh, she came in and she's walking around the con floor and she sees our booth. And now we have this bright yellow tablecloth <laughs> with our logo. It's hard to miss. And uh, so she's like, what is this? And it says on the front of it, people are loved. And uh, so we're talking to her and we were, were able to be a, a place, a moment for her to find peace and find calm and to get past this anxiety because she was still riding that anxiety attack. And it's yeah. like, you know, 45 minutes later. And she's like, I've never seen Christians who do this, like who would be willing to come into this place and do life with us like this here. And there were several people like that. There were people who weren't necessarily Christians that they were like, okay, whatever. But we, <laughs> we had this guy next to us selling shirts that's with, uh, with waifus on it, which for those don't know, those are your anime wife. And uh, normally they're pretty lewd looking. And some of his stuff was right on that edge. And he was playing music the entire time, but he saw us talking with people and having like serious conversations with folks. We had one guy walk up talking about how he had seen us at the con every year. And we developed a kind of friendship we won't see him at the con, but through our influence, he had rededicated his life uh, to Christ uh, just that previous year. And so different stuff, stuff like that. Well, what I noticed by the third day of the con is when people would come up to the booth, my dude would turn down his music hmm. so people could hear. Wow. And then once they left, he'd crank it back up because he saw that we were we were making a difference there in that situation. We weren't getting wild or doing anything crazy. I mean, I'm charismatic, but we're not going to lose our minds. <laughs> <laughs> and, right. and we're just showing people love and hope. And it affected this dude next to us. You know, that's, I'm going to let you answer the question, Eric, but it, I'm just going to break in. It, it's fascinating. One of those things that I don't think about not being in the trenches like you guys. I asked you earlier about, you know, nerd stuff is so mainstream. Who's going to object to, who <laughs> are nerds really ostracized anymore? But the fact that there are still people who will go to a, a con and like yell at people for going to a con, I just, I, yeah. I, I don't understand that. <laughs> yeah. It's a mindset some people have. Mm. Yeah. Man, I have, I have some interesting stories too. The very first time I had a booth and service at a chapel on my, my own, those years there, there were some interesting things happened. So the first time I did a chapel service at a convention, this kid comes in, high school kid, young high school kid, drags his mom along with him, and right off the bat, he wants to help and is handing out song sheets for us and greeting people. And I did the service. I, I did a message about God terraforming our hearts and looked at how the heart is treated in the Bible and talked about in the Bible 
and how God wants to redirect some of that a lot of times and terraform who we are. Afterward, the kid was picking up song sheets and things on the floor, cleaning up the place without being asked. <laughs> a year later, he comes up to me, and, and I wasn't the preacher at the service that year, but he came up to me and he said, thank you for doing this. Last year's chapel service is what spurred my profession to the faith. Let's go. Wow. Nice. And that was not something I ever expected. And a few years later, my buddy Darren Ball and I went to his church because he was now a ministry student in college and was having his first time preaching on a Sunday evening at his church. And so we went and got to sit there and support him by being there for his first time preaching. That's amazing. Uh, and he's a kid that, you know, I'd see most years at Grand Con Gaming Convention, our local gaming convention here around Grand Rapids. So that was exciting. Another thing that happened one time is I had a guy come up to me, and this was the first time I had a booth by myself at a convention. I only had the one book. I was just there, and I had been involved in, in the convention every time it had happened. It was fairly new. And he said, you know, I have to tell you, I disagree with everything you stand for, everything you say, but it takes guts to do what you do. And I think you should keep doing it. Wow. <laughs> that That's was good. like, That's good. well, so you get, you do have once in a while, like I had one guy one time who did a very short tirade on me about how this is wrong and none of this is correct and God doesn't exist and, and all that. But I also kind of think maybe he's on the spectrum and he just doesn't know how to. How, how to know. communicate without <laughs> blowing up at someone. Right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I've had conventions turn me down for tables or for events because of, of the faith aspect of what I do. And I've had one convention, JFAX, uh, the first time I asked them about having booths or uh, applied for a booth there, I had been doing a church service there for a couple of years, so they already knew me. And they said, you know, we we had to talk about your submission for all because we've had some bad experiences with religious groups tabling and, and having booths at our conventions. But because... You've been a panelist here last few years. We're going to take a chance on you. Hmm. And here are some simple things we want you to be aware of. And it was all basic respect stuff. Don't try and pull people away from other booths. Word. You know, don't play really loud music. Because there was one group the year before that that was chanting loudly in the vendor hall. Yeah. And just basic, normal, respect your neighbor kinds of things. Uh -huh. Yeah. And this year will be our third JFAX with a booth. So clearly it's working. We, uh, Bex from Redeemed Otaku came up with the idea of let, let's put candy in a jar and have chopsticks. Have oh, yeah. chopsticks and require them to get the ca candy out of the bowl with chopsticks. And they can <laughs> only have the candy if they get it with chopsticks. Nice. And, you know, it's an anime con, so some people come in and they already use chopsticks all the time because they love Asian culture. Right. And some come in and have a bit more trouble with it. But we are kind of, last time we had a booth, they're like, ooh, you guys are the chopstick candy guys. We remember you. <laughs> I'm stealing this idea, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Write this uh, down. <laughs> so, you know, you slowly, over time, you build those relationships. There's another con in the area that has always rejected me, partly because they've had other religious groups apply, and upon rejection, they always say, well, if you have any other religious groups, we'll sue you. And that's another thing that happens from religious groups that does not help anybody. Mm -hmm. And one time they said, you know what? Or I was at the con, I was helping with, I'm part of the local Star Trek fan club. And the guy came over and said, hey, tomorrow you can bring your stuff in and you can table with Joe, who's a buddy of mine that writes about leadership lessons learned from movies. And he's a Christian as well. And so after years of being rejected, 
I got to have a table with them without them charging me. Wow. For two days of their three-day show, working with a buddy that I knew would be a good co-booth person because we both write and we both are followers of Jesus. And a few months after that, another religious group came into that same thing of, well, if you're not going to let us in, then we'll sue you if you have other religious groups. So now I'm back to the point where I can't table there again. Mm. But for those two days, I had a couple of significant conversations. I met people I had not met before. And what I've been doing this entire time that they've been rejecting me is I just submit panel ideas that are not necessarily overtly faith-oriented, but are just panels that will be good for the community. Mm. So I've had the joy of doing Stargate panels there, and that's always been fun because <laughs> I'm a huge Stargate fan. And sometimes I've tackled some more serious issues, and sometimes there's some personal growth for people through that, where you can just talk as a Christian without doing a sermon. Yeah. Yeah. You're being present. Yes. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, one last question to kind of wrap wrap this up, guys. What Do you have any ideas for the future? Where do you hope God's going to lead you on this, this thing that you're doing? You want to go first, Eric? Sure. One of the things is that I'm working on my first book alone without other authors. That is a new thing. Part of it is just continuing with the books and continuing that presence. This year, I'm doing my first big weekend thing on my own. I'm doing a celebration for the 10th anniversary of Nerd Chapel. Wow. Nice. So I'm trying something. I'm doing a park party where I've secured the local park in my local community. We're going to have some live music that will hopefully be a mix of worship music and fun music, mm -hmm. just normal mainstream fun music, maybe even some nerdy music. <laughs> I'm hoping to be able to have like free hot dogs added for people and possibly have some writers and artists from the area come out. And just simply do something fun in a park and just see what kind of crazy connections happen from it. Work. There'll be times for board games throughout the weekend and stuff. So it's it's not a con, but it'll be a celebration. And we'll just see what happens with it. I'm also, for the first time, I'm keeping consistent with YouTube videos. I'm now doing a series where I'm reading entries from the very first book we wrote, 42 Discovering Faith or Fandom. Each week, I'm reading an entry and posting that up on YouTube as my first real YouTube series. Nice. Nice. Dig it. My goal is to grow up and be like Eric uh, <laughs> one day, and uh, that's all I want to do. Uh, <laughs> no, legit, like, I, I love Eric, and I love Nathan, and I, legitimately, I look up to these guys because of what they've already done. Eric's at a show. It seems like every week, and I turn around, and he's at some sort of show, <laughs> and he's doing a booth. And he's got the books that going out there and everything like that. Legitimately, my wife and I, we want to do stuff very similar to Eric. We want to do traveling. We want to be able to travel the nation and do do cons. We want to be able to do speaking engagements. We're working on a couple of books right now, my wife and I. They're in the beginning stages, so I can't put anything out about necessarily. We are also currently, we're about to start the process of raising funds to start up a 501c3 uh, so we can look legitimate in the eyes of people. Uh, <laughs> so, because yeah. we are, we, we, want, we want to travel. We want to do ministry abroad and, and do stuff and, and go to places and let people know love them and cared for. At the same time, we have a team of individuals that we just want to help get out and do more stuff. I tell my team, do something other than Geek Devotions, please. Like, I, I really work hard to make sure they do stuff. I got one guy, he's working on a 10-part audio drama called Gospel by Gaslight. And it's a steampunk, Lovecraftian-style story that's involving the gospel, a missionary sharing the gospel. He's working on that project, and I, I'm helping him by giving him the resources through Geek Devotions. I got another guy who does some crazy stuff also. And my big heart is to see people grow around us and while we grow ourselves. 
Awesome. Great. Fantastic. Well, we will, uh, hopefully our listeners will join you in prayer over those, the things you've got going on. I think it sounds like God is doing some great things with your ministries. And so I hope he keeps it up. Mm -hmm. But with that, we'll wrap up Story School and move on to Soundtrack. So uh, for our soundtrack, Brian, soundtrack today, I wasn't sure exactly where to go with this Story School concept. So I just went with I Love OC Remix. And it was kind of in some ways the first, for me, like big place where like, you know, 8-bit, 16-bit geeky music became mainstream. Uh-huh. And so a lot, there was a lot of the early people that really helped with that. One of them is Jake Kaufman, who ended up becoming a major composer and like Shovel Knight and some other stuff. So I just picked one of his songs because it's great and it's kind of old school. Like this is song 193 from Overcock Remix so where there's like within 20, their first year of like, yeah this is like 20 years old okay yeah. and it <laughs> sounds great um, but it's from Dr. Mario it's called Funky Pills yeah just enjoy
And we're back. That is a fun song, although I feel like it ends kind of abruptly. Well, it is from like 20 years ago. So. <laughs> true, true. He right. did do the impresario later. So, <laughs> Oh, is it that guy? Is that guy. Oh, okay. I yeah, see. He's very, very good. He is. Okay, I think it's time to move on to our next segment, Once Upon a Scene. So we didn't get any responses from last month's entry from Once Upon a Scene, which is where we play a clip from uh, some story, maybe a movie, it may be something else. But we'll see. Eric and Dallas, let's see if you guys recognize this. Let me know if you can hear this all right. Boats disappearing in Bermuda Triangle. Suspect mad. Proceed to area at once and investigate. This message will self-destruct. Get smart. Very close. Be, yes. You're on the right track. It is not Get Smart, but it is, I guess it's after it? Inspired by? Yeah, after it, for yeah. sure. My first thought was Inspector Gadget, for some reason. Inspector Gadget, that's it. That makes sense. Yep, yep, same voice, Don Adams, but yes, good job. All right, so uh, now it's time for another scene. This time, I'm sorry, guys, you can't guess, but you can think about it. Here we go. Hey. Hey. I was I was just trying on my Halloween costume. What exactly are you supposed to be? Space cowboy. Okay, A, there are no cows in space. B, didn't you wear that like five years ago? So? So don't you think you should move on? I like it. All right, I think Dallas recognized it. <laughs> I think uh, so. <laughs> but we'll, we'll, I'll ask you later, but we'll let our, our listeners see if they can uh, identify that. And if you can... Just send us an email at derailedtrains at gmail.com, and we will, if you get the right name, we'll name drop you on the show. Um, or you can leave us a comment at derailedtrainsofthought.com. Uh, with that said, we are going to move on to our next segment. Challenge accepted. Dallas, Eric, and Nick. Yes, I'm ready. You are, uh, it, is, it is time to see who among us is the biggest geek, or at least the one who can guess the stuff that I'm a geek about. <laughs> uh, so we're going we're gonna to play a round or two of Jeopardy, depending on how uh, time goes here. This will go just like regular Jeopardy, except we're not doing any daily doubles. So we'll see. Our categories here are tabletop games, comic character catchphrases. I will give you the catchphrase and you tell me which comic character uh, says it. Fantasy authors, name that 80s TV theme, Ooh. and that's that's going to be your music one. I Spy Sci-Fi, and True Truths and a Lie Anime Edition. In that category, I will list three titles. Two of them are actual titles of anime. One of them is not. So okay. the answer is the, the one that is the lie. Dallas, I think uh, you will go first. I'll get you, give you first choice of category. Yeah, let me go ahead and take uh, Two Truths and a Lie Anime Edition. Okay. They sucked out my internal organs. That time I got reincarnated as a slime. And is it wrong to try to pick up girls in a dungeon? Oh, Nick, you buzzed in. All right. I don't know what my anime great, but I'm pretty sure what is they sucked out my internal organs. You are correct. They sucked out my internal organs. It's actually a lyric from Weird Al's song, Everything You Know Is Wrong. <laughs> yes. Nice. All right, Nick, it's your pick now. I want to try a fancy authors for 100. Of course you would. Of course I would. That's the one I feel more comfortable yep. with. <laughs> this unfinished C.S. Lewis novel shares its name with a Stephen King fantasy series. Uh, Nick. 
<laughs> it's C.S. Lewis, man. Uh, what is the Dark Tower? That is correct. What is the Dark Tower? That wasn't even fair, Tim. <laughs> this uh, is true. You may, you, you may have a slight advantage on some of these, but hopefully not. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'll pick one that I'm, I'm probably not as good at here. Yeah. Um, let's try, name the 80s TV theme 300. Three, oh, you're being, yeah. you're being sneaky Whoa. here. Okay. Yeah, let's just try this. All right, let's try this. This action series ran for four seasons from September 1982 to April 1986. Oh, Eric. What is Knight Rider? Correct. Nice. That is 300 for Eric, and it is your pick. Let's go with theme songs 200. 200. Okay, sounds good. Eric, I think I saw you buzz in on that. What is MacGyver? That is correct. I think I forgot to read the thing because I'm trying to juggle too many things. But, <laughs> but yes, that ran for seven seasons from September 1985 to May 1992. So good job. Yeah. Next one. What is theme songs 500? Ooh. Okay, going to 500. All right, this time I'll actually read it. This sitcom ran for six seasons from March 1985 to July 1990. Streaks on the China never mattered before. Who cares? When you drop kick your jacket as you came through the door. No one glares. All right. Anybody have a, a guess on this one? I think that's Fat Domino heard singing. It. <laughs> I don't I think it's Fat Domino. All right. Then I'll I'll call it. This one is what is Mr. Belvedere? Oh, okay. I have I used to watch that. I'm like it sounded familiar. I don't think I ever watched it. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, Eric. I think it's still your pick. What's your theme? One hundred. This cartoon ran for six seasons from September 1985 to February 1981. Dallas. The Gummy Bears? Uh, that is correct. Okay. Hey! What is Adventures of the Gummy Bears? Congratulations, you're on the board. Let's go. <laughs> All right, good job. Uh, one last theme. Shall we finish that off? Let's do it. This sitcom ran eight seasons from September 1984 to April 1992. Okay, that one's apparently sitcoms are not geeky enough. <laughs> Again, it's one of those that like tickles a brain cell, but I can't place it. Yeah, it, it right. seems familiar, but yeah, I can't. It, can't pull it up. Isn't... All right. Well, the answer is what is who's the boss? Okay. Oh, okay. So, you know, there was some time when I got into like a CD of TV themes, and those last <laughs> two sitcoms, I don't, I don't remember watching the show. I mean, I remember who's the boss a little bit, but like the, yeah. they're just catchy songs. They feel very cozy. <laughs> All right. So Dallas, I think it is still your go. Yeah, let's uh, let's go back to something more comfortable with. Uh, let's do two truths and a lie anime edition. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Bo 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 or are you a television set? I want to eat your pancreas. 
Dallas. What is Are You a Television Set? You are correct. That is actually a line from the movie Santa Claus Conquers the Martians. <laughs> <laughs> For some reason. <laughs> so, good job. All right. Wow. I Want to Eat Your Pancreas, I think, is actually a, a movie, to be to be clear. And I think it's like a romantic comedy. Probably. Uh, <laughs> Let's do 300. Right. 300, same category. Here we go. Bofuri, I don't want to get hurt, so I'll max out my defense. Banzai, I sailed to Tahiti with an all-girl crew. Higiro, after being rejected, I shaved and took in a high school runaway. So just remember, two of these are actually anime titles. Dallas, was that you? Yeah. What is Bofuro? I don't want to get hurt, so I'll max out my defense. That is incorrect, unfortunately. So uh, the other two get to guess Mm, if you like. I can take a 50-50 here. (laughs) Eric. What is Banzai? I sailed to Tahiti with with an all-girl crew. That is correct. Let's go. Uh, Manas the Banzai, that's the title of a 1969 movie. Uh, <laughs> I just added that in. Um, <laughs> I, I, I have to say, I've actually seen Bofuri. I don't want to get hurt, so I'll max out def- my defense, and it's hilarious. Oh, okay. uh, it's one of these isekai in a video game sort of stories. All right, Eric, it's your pick. Let's go with Tabletop Games for 200. Okay. Forbidden Island, Gloomhaven, and Pandemic are all examples of this style of board game. Oh, Eric. What is cooperative? You are correct. Nice. Your pick again. Let's go with Tabletop Games for 300. First published by Steve Jackson Games in 1986, this tabletop RPG is designed to work with any storytelling genre. Nick. What is GURPS? That is correct. I have a weird fascination with GURPS, but (laughs) hardly ever played it, but I bought like an old like fourth edition back when I was like 12, and I just thought it was a fascinating idea. Wow. Yeah, it's very customizable, which is impressive. All right. uh, So your pick now, Nick. Oh, um, let's do Fancy Authors for 200. Okay. A prolific Dungeons and Dragons author, his character Drizzt Doerden redefined how the D&D community thought about Dark Elves. Nick. It took me a while to pull his name from my memory ranks. R- oh, who is R.A. Salvatore? I think that you got it. R.A. Salvatore. Okay, good. So there you go. All right. So you and Eric. Get in my head. Yeah. It took me a while. I'm like, it's that guy who writes grits. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nick and Eric are tied at 700. All Dallas right. is right behind you at 300. All right. So Nick, it's still your pick. Let's open up a new category. Let's try I Spy Sci-Fi. Okay. For? Uh, 100. Let's see 100. Okay. Like. This show started out as being about survivors of a plane crash, but would eventually explore ideas like predestination, electromagnetic healing, and time travel. I'm not even going to... Dallas. What this is, is lost? Just... Yes, that is correct. So I'm laughing, you don't know, because we did a, like an entire series on Lost. It's like one of our favorite shows. So I'm like, I'm not even going... That's, not... That's just unfair. That's oh, right. Some of them, you know, you got to have some that are like the buzzer beaters. Yes. Yep. So Dallas, your pick. Let's take 200 on that. Though it bears resemblance to a police procedural, this show also explores the ramifications of security surveillance and the development of artificial intelligence. Nick. What is person of, in- person of interest? That is correct. Person of interest. Great show, guys, if you've never seen it. That's a good one. Uh, Nick, still your pick. I saw a few episodes. Um, let's do 300 in that same category. I Spy Sci-Fi. Here we go. 
The Truman Show, a movie about a man whose life takes place in a large, elaborate set created for a TV show and predated the rise of reality TV and vlogging, uh, when it released in this year. Dallas. When was um, 2000 and... No, I'm sorry. When was 1999? That is incorrect, although you're you're close. But well, I guess I shouldn't say that, but you're <laughs> incorrect. Anyone else? <laughs> When was 2001? Uh, also incorrect. Okay. I'm going to just leave it there. <laughs> You're not yours, gonna... yours is not my strong suit. Okay. As you know from while we, when we didn't watch there. <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, the answer is, what is 1998? Oh. You're so close. I so wanted close, to say Dallas. that too. <laughs> it went the wrong way. Yep. All right. Um, forget who's... Who... That was me. Was you? All right. Yeah. So next, so take, me? do another Let's one. do comic character catchphrases. 100. 100. Okay. It's clobbering time. Nick. Who is the thing? That is correct. Your pick. Oh, um, fantasy authors for 300. This author wrote The Chronicles of Perdane, a fantasy series inspired by wealth mythology. It's, also, it's tricky coming up with the categories for this because I don't, aside from Nick, I don't necessarily know <laughs> what all your big things are. Uh, Nick. I believe, uh, who is Alexander Lloyd? Or is it flip? Did I flip his name? Ah, I'm sorry, Nick. You were ah. so close. <laughs> flip his name, guys. <laughs> if my wife was here, we'd be on this. Eric. <laughs> Who is Lloyd Alexander? You're correct. Yeah, good how, job. How, how did you know? <laughs> Black Cauldron, right? Yep, that's, that's that guy. Yep. All right. So, Eric, your pick. Let's go with Tabletop Games for 400. All right. Some of this game's publishers' most famous games include Power Grid, Race for the Galaxy, and Dominion. Eric. Okay, I'm trying to remember how to say his name, but who was Dano Chicago? Chicago? Mm, that may be correct, but I'm looking for the actual company's name. That, oh. <laughs> so I, I'm not going to count it against you because I don't know if that's accurate or not. <laughs> I don't think so, but I'll give you uh, one more guess. In that case, who is Rio Grande? Uh, yes. Who, what is Rio Grande Games? Uh, your pick again, Eric. Tabletop Games for 500. The popular Ticket to Ride board game series has released expansions and alternate versions designed around specific European countries, including Germany, France, the UK, Italy, and these three countries. I know I'm being mean, making you guess three different ones. No takers? Nope. Okay. Well, the answer is Switzerland, Netherlands, and Poland. Really? Interesting. They've Poland done a lot. One, the first that came to my mind was Netherlands and then Norse, which is the three, which is the northern countries of Europe. Yeah. The, it's a little but, tri the, uh, tricky because yeah. they've done a couple that are general European ones, but they've yes. done a couple maps that are very specific to a yep. particular country. So, all right, Eric, your, your pick. Comic character catchphrases for 200. Great Caesar's ghost. Dallas. Um, oh my gosh. It's the, who is the uh, Perry White? That is correct. All right. Uh, pick again. Uh, let's go ahead and take uh, 300 on that. To me, my board. Dallas. Who is the silver surfer? That is correct. Oh, nice. Brings you to 600 points. You're a bit so, quicker on the clicker. <laughs> <laughs> 
So uh, since audience can't see scores at home, uh, Dallas is at 600, Nick is at 1,000, and Eric is at 1,100. All right, so pick again, Dallas. Let's take 400. All right. Holy moly. The correct answer there is who is Captain Marvel, a.k.a. the Shazam Captain Marvel? Yeah, I have not read any of his older comics or very many of his comics. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, that definitely was one of his older, like, I'm not sure if he yeah. still, still does that nowadays because that sounds kind of old, but. Right. <laughs> yeah. I'll take right, 500 yeah. in the category. All right. Billions of blue blistering barnacles. Time the answer. This is a tricky one because it's not a, a Marvel or DC character. This is Captain Haddock from the Adventures of Tintin. Oh, okay. I, I've been watching the movie. That's why it sounds vaguely familiar. That's a good callback, yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. So All let's right. take uh, I Spy for 400. In this action thriller movie, a CIA agent is recruited to help track down an arms dealer who has made bullets that travel backwards through time. Nick. What is Tenant? You are correct. That was a good movie. Oh, it's a great movie. It hurt my head a lot, <laughs> yeah. but it does. <laughs> I was thinking, putting this together, like, I need to see that again. I, I need to watch it again. Yeah. yeah. I only saw it one time. You can write a doctorate dissertation on that movie. Yeah. <laughs> I heard you were supposed to watch it on a certain day. Like the, when, he, when he released it, you were supposed to, he wanted it to release on a certain day. Oh, yeah. pr- probably some sort of palindrome. Something. Uh, date. <laughs> yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. All right, Nick, it's your oh, pick. Um, let's go ahead and finish up the sci-fi. Though the majority of Disney worlds in the Kingdom Hearts games are inspired from fairy tales, the series also has worlds based on these three Disney sci-fi movies. Okay, come on, guys. You, you don't want to take a guess? I can on only think of one of them. Eric. What is Atlantis, Treasure Planet, and... Yeah, I got. It. <laughs> <laughs> well, while those are those are great Disney sci-fi movies, unfortunately, none of them have been in Kingdom Hearts. Uh, I, I wish it was not true, but uh, anyone plan be a great one. Anyone else want to take a stab at this? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can only think of one of them. That's all you right. play it. <laughs> Eric called the ones I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, there's actually four I would have accepted here, but the three I was thinking when I first wrote this was Tron, Tron Legacy, <gasps> oh. and shoot, I'm blanking on the on. Well, oh, I would have also six. Think, Big Hero Six. Oh. I would have accepted at first. I was thinking that's superhero, but then I was like, eh. But they also go to altered dimension. The other one I was thinking of yeah. was Lilo and Stitch. Oh yeah, uh, there's aliens. aliens. Yeah, yeah. Admittedly, so. I have not played Kingdom Hearts because I do more with board games and video games. So yeah, fair enough. That's still one of Tim's all-time favorites. So he had put one on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fair. This in Kingdom Hearts. All right, so Nick. I think it's still your pick. It's still mine. Um, let's do fantasy authors for four hundred. All righty. After writing the fantasy series The Underland Chronicles, she would go on to write a popular YA dystopian action series that inspired several movies. Nick. What is, uh, who is Suzanne Collins? That is correct. Author of The Hunger Games. She did a fantasy series first, so good yeah. job. She's the one who ripped off Battle Royale. I Hunger Games author. I just couldn't remember her name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, my niece is like her favorite author, or was for a while, so oh, I got uh, drilled okay. into my head. She did an essay for my class on it. Oh, so. okay. Cool. All right, so. Let's, uh, let's do 500 fantasy authors. I'll finish it up. 
Ursula K. Le Guin's Earthsea series was written over the course of 30 years, with the first book published in 1968 and this fifth book published in 2001. I have a feeling I know where this is going to go based on this category, but you never know. Okay, Nick. We're going to just try this. It might lose me points. Um, what is Tales from Earthsea? That is incorrect. Okay. The answer is, what is the other wind? I'm sorry, I, I could have given that to you guys, but did you, any of you know it? No, brother. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen the two-part series the sci-fi channel did, but I haven't read the books. Sure. All right, Nick, uh, that's the end of that category. Where else do you want to go? Uh, let's do tabletop games for 100. Okay. See, I'm avoiding the anime one. <laughs> <laughs> and just so people, folks at home know, Eric currently has 1,300. Eric and Dallas both have 600. Uh, all right, tabletop games, you said? Yes. All right. In this game, players take on the role of gym merchants during the Renaissance, trying to build their business. Nick. What is Splendor? That is correct. That's a great game. That's it a good is game. a great game. Yeah, I thought you, you might get that one. faster than me. <laughs> I would have if I had been faster. <laughs> uh, fair enough. All right. Back. Uh, we, it's one of the few games like my Wi Fi will routinely play like two player. Oh, that's nice. cool. Yeah. All right. We're back to anime, Nick. You uh, want 400. 400 anime. 400. Okay. Here we go. Boogie Pop Phantom, Scorching Ping Pong Girls, or Blue Oyster Cult? Dallas. What is Blue Oyster Cult? That is correct. That's actually a band name, apparently. Yeah. Don't they need more cowbell? Is that that? <laughs> uh, I don't know. Actually, I, I just found the name on TV oh, tropes. Okay. Oh, it's, it's, <laughs> under <laughs> under word salad. Okay. All right. So that leaves us with the five hundred dollar one for anime. My mental choices are completely interfering with my school romantic comedy, drugstore in another world, the slow life of a cheap pharmacist, or the mystery of the fiery hat of social awareness. Uh. Dallas, had you t- buzzing on that earlier? I had. Sorry, I, I think I messed up on the buzzer. <laughs> Dallas, I'm going to give this to you. What is the mystery hand. of the fiery hat of social awareness? That is correct. It's actually the name of a play that Luigi takes part in in <laughs> Paper Mario: The Thousand Year Door. <laughs> wow, that's a deep dive. Yeah, again, frowned through the TV tropes word salad thing. I think I barely uh, pulled that off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, in that game, Luigi apparently is going through his own set of ridiculous adventures while Mario is doing his, and you just hear about it in the background. Okay, um, at the end of that first round, Nick has 1,400, Eric has 600, and Dallas has 1,100. I want to see what we're doing on time. Hey, folks, this is Future Tim stepping in from middle of post-production on this episode. Actually, we did go on and do a second round of Jeopardy, but we felt that this episode was actually running kind of long. I know a lot of podcasts nowadays are fine with doing hour and a half or two hour long episodes, but Nick and I have always wanted to try to keep this one contained. Unless we're doing a special anniversary episode, we really want to try to keep these episodes down to around 60 to 75 minutes or so. So we're going to save the second round of Jeopardy for a future bonus episode release. Those of you who are familiar with Derailed Trains of Thought, we sometimes do bonus episodes called Sidetracks, where we include stuff cut from the regular episodes. So if you want to find out who won this very special challenge accepted, I'm afraid you'll have to wait just a little bit longer. We'll put that out in another week or so. But in the meantime, here's our wrap up of this episode. Thank you both, Eric and Dallas, for joining us. This, this has been a lot of fun. Yes, it's been wonderful. Where on the internet can uh, listeners find your stuff? They can find me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. I've also got a Patreon to help support what I do because I, I approach things as an, a writer, an author, rather than as an organization. So 
Patreon, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, or NerdChapel.com. I was going to say, should people search on those things for your name or for NerdChapel? For NerdChapel, yes. Okay, great. And Dallas? Yeah, you can follow our stuff at GeekDevotions.com, where you'll find links to our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and our Twitch channel, uh, which is just Geek Devotions, as well as links to all of our podcasts that we do. We do have a support page on Patreon also, so you guys can help support what we do. And uh, yeah, that's mostly it. Awesome. And our website, if anyone's interested, derailedtrainsofthought.com. We have all of our episodes there for this series, which is all about storytelling. And we have two other spinoff podcasts, The Weekly Hijack. We're covering The Prisoner currently. That's our instant reaction podcast where we talk about TV. We've done all of Lost, which is no surprise at this point, <laughs> uh, and Babylon 5 with a handful of other stuff. But yes, our current show we're reacting to is The Prisoner classic british show and then let's finally watch this we had one season of going through kind of a survey of classical movies you always wish you had watched yeah we call it uh, a podcast for casual movie fans who've always meant to watch classic movies so when we go through some of the history of that and uh, it's, it was a lot of fun so you can check out those at derailedtrainsofthought.com and as well as stitcher and spotify and apple Podcasts and all those good places i will close out real quick with my soundtrack i didn't have a great angle to pick one this time around but since nick was like mario and like hey mario just had a movie and there's a lot of fans of mario stuff uh sure we'll we'll do <laughs> we'll, we'll pick something from super mario odyssey this is called smell the steamy flowers it's a nice low-key song by ruben spears and gamer of the winds so i hope you enjoy it thank you everyone for listening and uh until next time this is tim this is nick and uh, dallas and eric thanks again it's a pleasure yeah thank you and until next time folks have a good one bye-bye bye-bye <laughs>